I'm only gonna tell you this once. That is now your chair, Captain. My friends, the great experiment. Prodigy. Prodigy. Hidden. Trink. Trink. Would you look at that? The greatest trink. Trink. And your people, you're all astronauts. Some kind of star. Trink. The greatest trink. Welcome to Greatest Trek, <laughs> a show that Wait, one of us, sure about that? a show that one of us knows that we're doing. <laughs> That's me, Adam Pranica. <laughs> I'm Ben Harrison. I uh, I watched a different show, assuming we were recording the Greatest Generation, our other hit Star Trek podcast today. We confused our hit Star Trek podcasts oh. pre-production. And when Ben went to kick off the show just now, he introduced the greatest generation and and we're in the same room. So I'm looking at him drive our pod car off a cliff. I feel like such a fucking idiot. You're doing fine. You drove all the way to my house and I watched the wrong thing. You've got baby brains. I really do. My wife was out. Last night with the baby, she took the baby over to to her mom's house and had had dinner with her mom and like wow. a, a good friend. And does that mean you had a pork chop last night? I had a pork chop the night before last. She's been out for two nights in a row. But Whoa. but but night before last, I was on baby duty. Last night, she had the baby, mm-hmm. so I went to bed at like nine p.m. Whoa. and I didn't get woken up till five a.m. That was like when the baby first needed to feed that I was Dude, up for. Did your watch automatically do a wellness check on you? <laughs> it seems like you've fallen. Asleep you, for and, the first time in a long time. And you've been down there for a long time. Man, I was like, I was luxuriating. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have baby brain, but I do. It's fine. I mean, sometimes you can get too much sleep and maybe that's what happened. Yeah. God. It's fine. It's fine. You watched the episode today, so it's not like you didn't. I didn't watch it today. I watched it several days ago. We got these screeners very early, Mm -hmm. and Wendy had said uh, she watched all of the screeners that we got. All of them. And led me to believe that it would be an enjoyable experience watching them. So for a funsy, I watched one of them. But that was like, I don't know, a week ago. I've seen the episode. I know what happens in it. You're doing fine. <laughs> I'm, this is going to be one of those episodes where uh, the microphone cable in the sand is my microphone cable. Yeah. yeah. I'm carrying you, man. <laughs> I'll do it. People have been saying it for years. <laughs> I'm happy to do it. We were like, Adam should get a funnier co-host. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> Well, uh, this is uh, my official resignation. I, I'm, I'm so ashamed of myself that uh, holy shit, I can't, I can't do, I can't do a children's TV podcast alone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure legally, I'm not permitted to do so. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> let's let's see how well or badly I do on an episode that I have no notes for. I'm yeah. just gonna be. Doing my darndest to to remember. Let's just have a conversation about the return of Star Trek Prodigy. Yeah. Ben, it's season one, episode 11. It's called Asylum. You know the greatest danger facing us is irrational fear of the unknown. Future. my mark, go fast. And if you remember, uh, the last episode ended with Rock Talk saying, Murph, uh-huh. fire. <laughs> There was a huge amount of suspense. You 
what's awful about that cliffhanger is when the camera moves into Rock Tuck's face, I'm like recoiling from the TV <laughs> because I do not want to see inside Rock Tuck's mouth again. Yeah, yeah. No, very upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked at the beginning of this episode. You know, so often we'll get a last time on on a Star Trek episode, and it doesn't even need to be one where there's a, a passage of time, of real time in between episodes, like a summer vacation, for example. Sure. It's been months since we've had a new episode of Prodigy, and these are children watching this show. Yeah. How could you not give them a last time on? They need it. They need it more than than almost anyone, except, you know, like I was thinking about this when I was growing up, I feel like the Saturday morning cartoons I watched seemed to be in a continuity. Like when I watched yeah. like a The X-Men cartoon. Love The X-Men. I loved when I caught that, but I didn't. Like, I think part of this was being an only child and, like, nobody in my house caring about TV, aside from me. Mm -hmm. Like, nobody, like, really explained, like, seasons of television and, like... Was there not a TV in your house before you were born and, like, you made the TV happen? <laughs> For probably the first 10 years of my life, we had one 13-inch Sony television. That rules. And uh, I remember, like... It was like a really big deal when my parents like 13 inches is small, right? Sprung for a, a 28 inch TV. Wow. And yeah, like we went down to like the circuit city and they got like a stereo set and a big TV. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. Like we're becoming like members of the modern era. <laughs> I'm finally going to have friends who want to come over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause like, like my best friend in elementary school had like every video game console. He had when this was available, he had a thing that hooked up to the cable box and plugged into his Sega Genesis and it streamed Genesis games over TV cable into the console. So any given month you went over there, there were like 50 Genesis games available. What? From cable. That was a thing? It was a thing. and uh, That's incredible. It was so cool. And I was like, but we didn't have cable. Like, there was no persuading my parents that that was a thing that sure. was worth considering. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I, all this is to say, like, when I saw an episode of Thundercats... I didn't have any context for what was happening at the beginning of the episode from the previous episode. I never knew when to turn the TV on to catch a specific show. I didn't know that that was even possible. I feel like a lot of people have a story of a friend who had all the toys. Mm -hmm. You just told a story about that person. Yeah, I've he, got I've got a bunch of those friends. He had the power pad. He had the, the Nintendo gun. My follow-up question is this. Are you still in touch with that person? I haven't been in touch with him in a while. I, I know my mom runs into his mom occasionally, and he is in L.A. He is a working voice actor. I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up in an episode of Prodigy as a as a guest voice. He's like a pretty successful guy, I think. That's amazing, because I'm no longer in touch with the kid who was born on third base in, <laughs> in my childhood. But I always assumed like they grew up to be a, uh, a Wall Street hedge fund 
traitor right, or, right. or like like they had to break bad <laughs> like there's no way that that turns out all right in the long term what is it like to grow up having all of that stuff yeah i don't know i mean i i don't think that he would ever make the case that his childhood was flawless because i don't think anybody would yeah but um he uh, i ran into him like as an adult in park city actually i was there like for a, a sundance thing with jesse thorne our pod daddy and uh he was like walking around pod daddy (laughs) we were walking around uh park city and i ran into my childhood best friend and he he seemed and he had like the best puffer jacket on top of another puffer jacket yeah just like monkler all the way down layer upon layer uh Keep saying brands. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, I think that's like a really fancy just, kind of jacket. But. Just like 14 Solomon skis mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. In, in like a quiver on his back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, he we had a lovely interaction. He didn't, didn't seem fucked up. That's great. Well, some of them turn out right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Where were we on this episode? Uh, so they're pulling up to a like a communications array, right? No, no, you skipped. You I skipped. skipped? Yeah, you skipped further along because there's, Fuck! <laughs> there's a cold open and it's underwater, you remember? No. All right. Well, here's how the episode starts, Ben. Oh, right. They're chasing that. Yeah. <laughs> There's not even a custom Star Trek intro to Prodigy. Did you notice that? I was like, am I even watching Star Trek? I think that's because the idea of a space rock talk is too traumatic for children. Right. Like space koala, super fun and funny for lower decks. Space rock talk, nightmare fuel for kids. (laughs) It's a nebula just with teeth. (laughs) A lot of times in these screeners, we'll get like temp visuals and you'll get like time code and stuff on it. They used the Star Trek Picard uh, hanging mother (laughs) introduction for this. Less traumatic than Rock Talk's mouth. (laughs) Right. So there's some like- Just the sound of a rope being stretched. Mm, Yeah. There's some like spear throwing underwater mer people, right? There are. And there is, uh, there's a whalian- that yeah. <laughs> that these mermen Tin man. are throwing their spears at and under under the sea yeah under the sea is a ship that we've never seen before it looks like a submersible shuttlecraft yeah yeah federation issue yeah and the gang's all in there it's uh, it's Gwen Dahl and Jankum Pog are are in pursuit yeah. they're trying to protect this whale but in a way that doesn't break the prime directive for the people trying to hunt it. I want you all to be very careful. This is terra incognita. Yeah, they gotta they gotta stay out of sight for the spear throwers. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't really feel like like that feels like it is a violation of the prime directive. Like if you're if you're taking their source of food, doesn't also, that like influence them? Should you assume sentience always on a planet? How do they know this whale isn't going to clock them in a way that is a prime directive break yeah i mean and how do they know that the spear throwers are sentient you know maybe the spear throwers just uh found those and uh maybe that's like a biological spear it's just part of their body (laughs) yeah they're just like pelvic thrusting 
spears into the whale. Yeah, you know how like a bee stings you and then leaves the stinger behind? It breaks its penis off once, in the process. Once they throw the spear, they die. Yeah. Because their guts come out with it. Many of their customs will doubtless take us by surprise. <laughs> this is a fun chase scene, but it's like a space chase transposed underwater, right? Yeah. The same concept. Yeah, there's always a bigger fish. Yeah. We learned this from episode one. It's true. I have a bad feeling about this. In the process of this chase, Gwyn has a strange flashback. And it's a scene with her dad. Her dad is telling her something about a weapon. It's unclear at this point what he's talking about, but she kind of snaps back into the present. It is a weapon. Yeah. He says. Vaguely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is the point where the Whalian eats the submarine. Yeah. And this is the moment where I thought this might be a uh, the story of uh, that guy and the whale. What's the Bible story? Jonah. Jonah. Jonah and the whale. Yeah. It could be uh, the story of Jankum Pog and the whale, but it isn't because Zero beams up the submarine, whale and all, yeah, up to the protostar, and it lands with a mighty slap on the deck, mm-hmm. and it starts suffocating instantly. <laughs> yeah, Th- there be dying whales here. <laughs> you gotta beam a whale up into a tank. Yeah, starships should just have tanks just in case. I mean, don't. California-class starships have tanks? They do. Why would a Protostar-class starship not have a tank? Even if, and I might be cutting to the end here, even if the Protostar is a weapon, you still want tanks to hold whale weapons, maybe? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's always important to give tanks. Right. Hollow Janeway is there to like tisk tisk them about their close call with the prime directive. Mm-hmm. And this <laughs> a, is a close prime directive shave. It has been close shave federation, close shave barbersol. <laughs> Have you heard that radio commercial? No, but it sounds good. It is. If you turn on AM radio and listen to a a football game, oh. you will get 10 Barbasol ads. I stay every on the hour. right wing talk part of AM yeah, pretty, you don't pretty wanna... exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> it is the twangiest shit you've ever heard. It's great. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they pull up to this communications array, right? Now, now we're there. No. Fuck. No. Is that the end of the episode? Yeah, it happens at the very end. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> Zero has noticed this flashback thing happening to Gwyn. And unfortunately, you don't see this from Zero's point of view, which I think would be funny. Yeah. Instead, it's all Gwyn point of view all the time. But really Zero's, Zero's like, hey, I noticed you doing that thing again. And not the fun, that thing you do of the Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. Of the... Doing that thing you do, remembering a little clue about your father. 
he's an evil dude. I try and try to forget that guy, but then something else happens. Every day you remember that evil dude. <laughs> Tom Hanks wrote a great song. That was my impression of like the Rickenbacker. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that Chet Hanks is ever like furious that his dad is like lifetime achievement as a musician will always eclipse him? God. Yeah, why wasn't that thing you do more uh, reggae? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyhow. (laughs) It's hard to have a dad. Anyway, Zero makes this all about them in a way that I did not really appreciate because Zero feels responsible for Gwyn's memory loss. Right. If you had received any sort of last time on package, I feel like this would have been a big part of it. Right. Gwyn looked at Zero and forgot a bunch of stuff in the last episode. It wasn't your fault. You saved me. Ironically, I had forgotten that that had happened. So I was like, I guess this is kind of reminding me, jogging my memory a little bit. Yeah. But- yeah, the like Gwyn's memory is Swiss cheese thing. I was like, I was really relating to Gwyn in this episode because I was like, I kind of feel like that sometimes today, for as, example. Yeah, <laughs> as with the introduction to our show. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a gasping, dying wail behind them during this conversation. And Rock Talk is like, hey, not only is this whale dying, this whale's pregnant. Who are you? And don't jerk me around anymore. I want to know how you know that. And so they beam the whale back into the water in a part of the ocean that doesn't have people pelvically thrusting spears into it. Yeah. And they just sort of assume that this whale is going to want to hang out with that second whale in this scene. Maybe this whale wants to be alone. Yeah. This whale wasn't on whale tinder, like looking for a whale partner. Yeah. Just swimming around, minding its own beeswax. Do you think uh, the whale dating app is like Amber Grizzer? <laughs> yeah, probably is Amber Grizzer. I bet it's Rambergris. Mm, mm. I think that's better. Well, that's like the hookup whale app. You yeah, know? it is. That's for whales who want to fuck. Yeah, just like kind of no strings whale action. There was a moment when we were building the Greatest Generation show where we toured the fourth Star Trek movie where we thought for a hot minute that including a clip of of whale penis would be fun and funny. Turns out like when we sort of worked up the show and practiced it a couple of times, it was horrifying and bad. Yeah. That's why that was never shown to an audience. It's worth looking up though. Like if you're curious about whale penis, your curiosity will be delighted by what it looks like it is going to wreck your netflix uh suggestions <laughs> henceforth though so i wouldn't yeah. recommend yeah. it yeah i would search on hulu just to be safe so at this point in the story it's clear they've been sort of banking successful missions yeah they've been doing this a lot they're they're saving the whales on every planet they can find so that when they finally meet up with starfleet they'll have this pattern of good behavior to point to that would somehow supersede the theft of a starship it's sort of like grinding to get your xp up in a in an rpg also they're totally grinding like they want to like have some skills yeah to uh you know because like i think basically they want to like enter the academy as seniors or something yeah 
they don't want to muck around as as like junior academy people. This comms relay station, Ben. Are you ready? Are, Are we there? Talk about this. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Hell yeah. Here you go. I remember this part. I'm gonna go off mic. I remember this part vividly. Uh-huh. They pull up to it. It seems like it would be an unmanned technology thing. It isn't. There's a a woman who's been murdered. Her dog is there. <laughs> They've got to go through her personal logs and weirdly kind of fall in love with her, even though she's dead. Total bullshit, man. It's just bullshit. That is not. What episode was this? That one where Jordy falls in love with the murdered girl and then the dog turns out to be like a shape-shifting alien. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> now, that is definitely not what this episode is. <laughs> At this point in the episode, I was pretty shocked at the similarities between it and Event Horizon. Did you feel that way? Oh, like it was Event yeah. Horizon with all of the blood pool fire fist fighting removed. <laughs> yeah, that uh, communications relay is a tomb. Hello? Anybody home? Looks like skipping out a case of the Wendy's. <laughs> they extend the uh, the little tunnel out to yeah. get on board, yeah. and and they are greeted by a sentient person. <laughs> this is Lieutenant Barnes Franks, and yeah. he, he holds out his hands, and his eyeballs are in them. It says, "Welcome aboard." We're leaving. This is all in reference to the hit bonus episode that is in the Maximum Fun bonus feed, The Greatest Horizon. Yeah. So get on over to the bonus feed and check that out. Do it. This guy, Barnus. <laughs> I am Lieutenant Junior Grade Barnus Frex. He's been alone a long time. Yeah. And he is enthusiastic about meeting new people. So enthusiastic that he almost throws a blanket over the fire that is them claiming asylum and like admitting to their many crimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they come in in uniform. Yeah. And so he could be forgiven for assuming that they're there in some official capacity. What do you make of that choice? I didn't think they should be wearing the uniforms. And I thought it was weird that Janeway adjusted Dal's com badge into a like non-Cal Hudson height. Like she moves it up to make it more consistent with his level of uh, confidence. Right. Yeah. I, I thought mean, that was smart. I guess so. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't want to Cal Hudson by accident. You yeah. know, it's, it's sort of like, um, they call this a uh, sprezzatura <laughs> in the fashion world. Like, you want to break the rules knowingly, yeah. you know. You want the you you want the rules that you're breaking to be a wink, a little a little like I did this I did this on purpose. You roll up to a Barnes Franks with your combat too low, he's going to be obeying your orders in a way that could be very uncomfortable. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, Barnes uh, really really enthusiastic. He's you know he's one of these like lonely outpostmen. He really so, is. What like. We Imagine the- joining Starfleet and becoming a lonely outpostman. So sad. I think it's the right job for this a certain temperament, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to be alone. But could- it doesn't seem like Barnus wants to be alone, and that's what makes it sad. He seems like kind of an extroverted dude. Yeah. He's a little socially awkward, but he's not like 
And also he mentions later about this being a form of punishment. What did you do, Barnus? <sighs> what is what the did you dark do? backstory? I want the like NC-17 short tracks about this character. <laughs> I really fucking like this is for the grown-ups that watch Prodigy and not for the kids that watch Prodigy. No prison or prison planet could hold Barnus. <laughs> so they sent him out to this comm station. He's on the edge of the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> this is about the uh, the safest thing we could do with him. The crew of the Protostar opens the, the door and they're like, what is that smell? <laughs> None of the Protostar crew have gone through puberty yet, so Mm -hmm. they have no idea. Yeah, they don't understand what his, quote, shoebox, unquote, is all about. It is very sad to me, and I mean this. We've made a lot of jokes up until now. I want to be serious with you Mm. and the people watching at home. Mm. Oh, hey. I think it's sad that the kids' first interaction with Starfleet is some sort of like security theater TSA scanner situation. (laughs) Like, but first we got to run you through the porn machine. Right. That sucks. Yeah. Except Jenkin Pog is totally down when he's told he's a Tuskman. He's a Tuskman. He's a Tuskman. Did did we know that? I don't think we knew that. Is that more or less embarrassing than you kicking off the show with the wrong show? You knew it? Yes, he's a Tuskman. I, well, I feel like in the printed materials about Prodigy, he's always been a Tuskman. Wow. But he didn't know that. He did not. See, so I was coming at this from his perspective. That's right. That's what makes you such an effective podcast host. People are going to be so mad at me about this. <laughs> I joked about resigning. They're going to demand it. You know what? You know how you, on Twitter you can turn off comments for posts? Uh-huh. When we post this episode, we should turn off comments. <laughs> <laughs> Jankum Pog, a young Tellarite male who lived during the late 24th century. See, if Memory Alpha has that, it's not a spoiler. Yeah. Fuck. Rock Tuck is the next through the machine, and uh, she's told she's a bricker. Much like our favorite characters on this old house. <laughs> Brickers are important on every job site. We're retapping all the masonry around this foundation <laughs> in honor of... Filling in that mouth so we never have to see the horror show. There it. We're taking Rock Talk and placing her behind this chimney. <laughs> like that weird episode of Shining Time Station where they where they brick in that <laughs> where they brick in that train as a punishment and when we never hear from them again. I mean, what is up with that episode? They showed that to children. Why would a public television program for children draw on an example set by an Edgar Allan Poe story of all things? What do children know about Amontillado Sherry? That's what I want to know. The loosest, weirdest episode of Greatest Trek ever. (laughs) This is the best episode of Greatest Trek. (laughs) Gwyn is like, you don't even have to scan me. You're not going to get anything in your stupid machine. And Barnas is like, yeah, we don't. Keep walking. (laughs) I'd rather not do the paperwork, so uh, next. Murph, we learn, is a melanoid slime worm. Hmm. But Murph wears a belt through the scanner. 
come on, Murph. Yeah. You don't have pre-check. You got to take off your belt. You got to take the belt. You got to take the shoes. Zero is all belts. And zero floats through the scanner. And this is one of those uh, pieces of humor where like terrifying alienness is glossed over in a, yeah, like zero could kill us all. Easily, and we see this all the time. So all, keep moving. All Zero needs to do is take off their hat, and we're all dead. Yeah, and Doll is last, and Doll. This is the big. This is yeah. This is like okay. Like let's. We're now we're talking. Right. Doll is going to find out some important information. Is this the moment? Doll just takes a deep breath. Like, is it going to happen? Doll, is this your idea of finding out where you come from? <laughs> Barnus is like, holy shit, you're a report to Starfleet Command. Yeah, you're an Omega directive, basically. I thought the same thing. Doll is an Omega. Yeah. Doll is an Omega, like me, (laughs) Catherine Janeway. (laughs) I had to jump down blindfolded into a pile of potato chips alone. And so did Dahl. And that is what brings us together as people. <laughs> so this is amazing. Like, and Barnus cannot wait to contact Starfleet, probably, as someone who's been marooned out on this comm station. Yeah, is this Barnus's ticket home? This is a good reason for Barnus to pick up the phone, right? Yeah. Do you think they thought about having a character in an episode with as prominent a whale sequence be named something that is so close to Barnacle? (laughs) Barnus is like, uh, Hello? It's me. (laughs) I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to meet. (laughs) To go over why... You marooned me out on this fucking comp station. <laughs> I finally have a reason to call you now. <laughs> it's a beautiful parody. Adam. That was worth picking up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so until they get things figured out, this was another moment where I could not believe what was happening. The crew of the Protostar, mm. a gleaming, awesome starship, choose to stay on the comm station inhabited by a single masturbating alone man (laughs) who has been alone for so long. I'd be like, cool, thanks for uh, welcoming us with your brand of hospitality. I'm going to go sleep in my own bunk. Thanks. It'd be like driving an RV up to my house (laughs) and sleeping in my office instead of your RV. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. We get a flashback scene here to Vice Admiral Janeway and Captain Chakotay. And this is the christening of the protostar that we're watching. This part (laughs) really sad because it it sort of sets up Chakotay as guy who just repeatedly gets marooned in the D-Quad. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't think that the, like, tone of this episode is about making a punching bag of a character, but... It sort of does. It sort of makes it feel like Chakotay is a joke inside of the Starfleet universe who every time he goes to the D-Quad gets stuck there. There's a weird tension about this scene too because I want to state 
that I have not seen all of Star Trek Voyager. We are working through that on the hit podcast, Greatest Generation. Mm -hmm. Engage. So you don't even know if they get home or not. I don't know how things turn out. I'm assuming they both get home because look (laughs) at them. Your mind is going to be so blown when you watch the episode that I watched today. There's like a professional jocularity about Janeway going like, can't believe you're going back to the D-Quad. That's nuts. (laughs) And Chakotay being like, yeah, I'd never go out there without a holographic version of you. Yeah. And then they like kind of hold eye contact for a long time. If I run into any trouble, you'll be the first one I call. With the holographic bathtub that I made. I mean, it's easier to build a bathtub for a hollow girlfriend than for a real one, right? (laughs) Do hollow ladies use hollow bathtubs? Yeah, hollow water, all of it. It's cheaper. Yeah. We learned that- Hollow Janeway is what you call a cheap date. (laughs) (laughs) You see her just pour the shot and it goes right through her. (laughs) Yeah, like like an animatronic on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Janeway Actual is watching this program and is interrupted by Commander Tysus. It's time to get to work or something. Mm. Tysus says something like this, like, stop fucking around with hollow Chicote." I guess the hollow hand is on the other foot here because like- Yeah, the hand is on the foot. <laughs> <laughs> because while Chicote Actual wanted to go out into the D-Quad with hollow Janeway, here's Janeway actual screwing around with hollow Chicote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so many stories about like the the Admiralty in Star Trek working to some sinister end. And I'm wondering if the Diviner and the Admiralty like were working together in some way. Yeah. If the Protostar is a weapon, something, something. Right. The Diviner may be like a contractor. Yeah used to refit the protostar or whatever seems like a bad guy to get in business with you know yeah i know he seems bad i mean that's one thing that if you have forgotten the first 10 episodes you should remember Uh uh-huh yeah the diviner is bad he does seem really bad and he won't shut up about the idea of a weapon of some sort yeah loves that idea Back on the comm station, Rock Talk and Murph are using the workplace computer to search for things like two kids looking for porn for the first time. They go to science.com first <laughs> so that Rock Talk can figure out which area of science she should specialize in. Rock Talk is very naive about science for someone that wants to devote their life to science. But I guess that's kind of the cool thing about science. Like, it's about admitting your naivete, right? I just can't believe, and I'm looking into the camera right now. Mm -hmm. So all of the viewers are, like, making weird eye contact with you while you say this? You had months (laughs) to fix this Rock Talk mouth situation. Mm. That's just the way it is, huh? That's Rock Talk's mouth. It's like, cool. we could release this movie without Chris Pratt's voice. Sounding the way it does. There's still time. Look, (laughs) (laughs) the actor who plays Rock Talk does a great job. She's amazing. But I would trade Chris Pratt playing Rock Talk if it meant changing the mouth. (laughs) Like, that's a good trade to me. I would take it. 
<laughs> I'm not trying to take anyone's job like Chris Pratt would. He obviously wants everyone's job. He yeah. wants my job. Next week's episode is going to be co-hosted by Chris Pratt. That's what sucks, Ben. You yeah. can't step away from Greatest Trek. But I resigned. What? I can't help Unresign. it. Chris Pratt is next in line for every job in Los Angeles. God damn it. No. There's <laughs> nothing I can do about it. I refuse to work with Chris Pratt on this show. Wow. Is it because of his weird toxic politics or? I think it's because he's a wife guy. Uh, you know how they are. Yeah. Are we wife guys? No. Good. I I don't really know what a wife guy is, but it seems like it's bad based on the way guy, people talk about it on the internet. A wife guy is someone who performatively loves their wife in a way that seems fake and gross. I love my wife sincerely. Yeah, but that's not for the show. Yeah, that's true. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't turn my love of my wife into content. In Six Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Zero and Gwen are in there, and Zero's like, hey, feeling really bad about what I inadvertently did to you when you looked at me, when you looked at me during. <laughs> and Gwen is like, I really wish you would stop making this about you, because this is actually my trauma that I'm trying to deal with. Yeah. And they're in Six Bay because there's a tank in there for Gwen to get into that may be a way for her to remember if- right. Zero hits the right buttons. But elsewhere in the mess hall, hitting the right buttons for sure is Jenkin Pog, who has created a table full of hot dogs for himself. Food fit for a king. I know that a table full of hot dogs is funny for kids, but it's it's one of those moments that's fun for adults too. Look at all those funny hot dogs. A pile of hot dogs. Really, it's the one thing we can agree on as a culture, right? Yeah. It's also like, I think that the animators had a lot of fun coming up with just how bouncy and floppy these hot dogs would be and what color they would be. They don't seem realistically bouncy. They're not like the texture of a cooked hot dog. They also, They're the texture of a flaccid dick. For scale, though, how tiny is Jenkin Pog? Because these hot dogs are not like Nathan's Frankfurter size. They are... They are fucking They're pretty big. Bratwurst, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are thick kings. And yeah. Jenkopag is all too happy to take these things down. He's not really listening to Dahl, who is in his own kind of afterglow from the TSA experience he had earlier. Right. <laughs> and then finally, Barnus Franks is like, cool, I'm just going to do some administration here. Like, it's common whenever a ship rolls up to my comm station to kind of download the ship's logs into the computer to make sure that the story checks out. Because after all, this is a ship full of kids <laughs> and also zero and a weird slime slug wearing Starfleet uniforms. You hey, know, also, why doesn't Murph wear a uniform? Yeah. Do they just not make a slime slug grade uniform? Hey, look. <laughs> I believe there's a John Van Sitters who could maybe come up with a an idea of a cup for Murph <laughs> that we could buy. Yeah. Maybe the Murph cup yeah. is a piece of merch, a piece of Murph merch that someone would enjoy buying and owning. I would enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, it's a mug with a com badge on it. Uh, and there you go. I just did all the work. Uh, well, may maybe we should reach out and see if we could license the rights to produce that merch. 
maybe we should just make a Murph cup and put it on podshop.biz. Podshop.biz? Wait for them to come to us. Maybe that's a way to get a return to an email. <laughs> Maybe that's how you get the USS Van Sitters to uh, approach your coordinates. To, uh, to dock at your station. Yeah. <laughs> but when we cut to the lower decks here, we realize the big problem that this presents, right? There's a red computer down there. Is it fun that uh, that the guy that lives on the station is named Franks and they've got a big plate of Franks? Did not put that together. That's kind of fun, right? It's got to be so crazy to live on that station by yourself and also be able to eat whatever you want. I I would not be well. <laughs> I would be dead. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they will all be dead soon because when this transfer starts, there's like <laughs> the pan through the floor into the computer core. Yeah. And it's kind Dreadnought, of an agamous right? looking computer yeah. down there. It's like the evil Dreadnought computer soul yeah. in there. Something activates. Something bad. The Terminator tells Barnes that, I'm sorry, your parents are dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's the image that we should post for this show. It's it's like the first frame is Barnes downloading the thing. The second frame is, is the Terminator on the phone. <laughs> Why is this episode so stupid? <laughs> I don't know. It's my fault, I think. <laughs> yeah this like all hell breaks loose at this point because the the red computer turns very red yeah and then the comm station turns very red and the redness is spreading the the, the redness a spreadness and uh yeah it's sort, it's sort of like um like if the matrix took over but it was red instead of green this is really scary to Rock Talk, who takes Murph into her arms and practically Lenny's Murph to death here. I will hug him and pet him and squeeze him. Yeah, it's a good thing Murph is unkillable. You know what? If Murph were in a cup, the cup would break. Mmm, fair. That's kind of a Tamarian thing. Murph in the mug, broken by a hug. <laughs> oh my God, I just named the episode, didn't I? Wow. God, that sucks. Fucking sucks. Well, we got to live with it, man. Hey, can I ask you a question? Hmm. In the mess hall, like the virus has spread to there and the replicator is like machine gunning hot dogs out at, at, at Jankapog. This is pretty fun. Did you notice that these ones were grilled and the ones on the table before were boiled? I did not notice that, but that's an interesting distinction. Is that what it means to weaponize the replicator? I think that there is something slightly eviler about a grilled sausage. Like, I prefer a grilled sausage, but I definitely think that, like, the boiled kind are, like, a friendlier way of eating them. This is because most people, when they grill a cased meat, go at too high a temperature. Yeah, you got to go low and slow. So I was recently hanging out with friend of Factory Seconds, Pete Pranica, mm. voice of the Memphis Grizzlies basketball team. Yeah. Person of Midwest heritage, Wisconsin specifically. Well, Midwest and crucially Polish. And, right. And uh, these are two heritages of which uh, preparing a sausage is an important part of the culture. I was on that trip and Pete was making us brats for breakfast. Hell Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he low and slowed those guys the way you should. It took 20 minutes to cook these brats on the grill because you don't grill them to death. You don't burst the casing. No. They were delicious. So good. Anyway, that's what this sausage looks like post-virus yeah. on the ship. Mm-hmm. But this isn't the only place where there's a problem. In six Would Bay, you say that these uh, hot dogs come out looking like Frank's Red Hots? Not so red, Ben. <laughs> not so red. I guess not, yeah. But but I mean, the ship a, is red, a so, there's a, so there's that, a glow. That's what I'm talking about. It's like the red and the Frank. And All the, right, I think you convinced me. The hot dog. No, yeah. There's a combination of words that yeah. overall... Almost add up to a joke. We need to score a lot of black fast. Licensed businessmen. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, it's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? 
Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Well, there's a new ship. She's got the right name. She's got the right name. Now you remember that, you hear? Now you remember that, you hear? There's a near drowning happening in Six Bay because Zero is like, wow, why are the doors opening and closing a bunch? Maybe I should go to the other side of the door. Come on, Zero. Yeah. What do you think is over there that's so good? Zero leaves Six Bay at the exact same time that Gwyn's chamber begins to fill with liquid. Yeah. It's probably fine, right? This is probably like... It's that liquid from the abyss that you can breathe. Or Event Horizon. Like, hey, maybe they're thinking they're going to travel long distances. Hmm. Maybe you need to get in the tank. Oh, yeah, because uh, you'll turn into cat food if at the high G-forces. Yeah. But this is Starfleet, man. They have inertial dampers. They don't have inertial dampers on the event horizon. Without a tank, the force would liquefy a skeleton. It's too bad Zero can't take off their suit and look at the computer and, like, kind of freeze it. Whoa. Because Zero's stuck outside the door. And Zero is like, hey, everyone on the comm station, come to Six Bay <laughs> because Gwyn is drowning in some mystery liquid. Yeah. And while Gwyn is submerged, she's having that kind of like, I'm about to drown vision where she sees her dad again. She sees her what? Her dad. <laughs> and her dad's like, it is your weapon. And Gwyn's like, I fucking know. And then another character enters the scene and he's like, The Diviner, hey, Melchior, dude. <laughs> Wait, did I mishear you? <laughs> did you say dude? You know, the thing about me and Rashan is that we were happily childless. <laughs> this is possible. <laughs> No one's ever called me daddy except for Sean. <laughs> During. <laughs> the other day I was walking around with the with the baby in the baby Bjorn and I was walking my dog and we were on like a narrow sidewalk and there was a lady jogging and I like got off the sidewalk to give her the path for, yeah. her, for her jog. Let this be a lesson to people walking dogs. You got to get out of the way. You need to yield. Yeah. I, I, I yielded for her and I was like in the, uh, I was in the street and as she went by, she said, thanks daddy. And I was like, Jesus Christ. What? Cause I had a baby with me. Oh, <laughs> I forgot that detail. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that detail for a second too, is the point. And I was like, huh, what? <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was weird. So finally the gang bursts in and, <laughs> and shoots Gwen's tank with phasers but the phasers aren't strong enough. No. You know what is strong enough? Gwyn's wrist thing. 
Yeah, she's got that uh, that nano sword. Mm-hmm. That thing punches a hole. Yeah. So the gang is on the station, but Hollow Janeway is on the ship, and Hollow Janeway hails Dahl and is like, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> In the way that like. If you're outside of a house and you see a bunch of lights flickering or whatever, you're like, what's going on in there? Yeah. It seems weird. What are you doing? The station is shooting at itself. And that's not supposed to happen. No. And Barnes, pretty upset by this. I trusted you. When the gang starts to make for the escape pods, like the the, uh, transporters don't work. That's what Hollow Janeway says. Make for the escape pods, she says, wrongly, because there's only one. And guess what? Like the end of Spaceballs, Barnes Franks is going to take that last escape pod. Yeah, he he and the bear from the zoo. Yeah, yeah. Boy, this is not a great look for Starfleet if this is the first guy you meet. Not at all. And not a good look for Hollow Janeway to be like, hey, kids, cram all of you into one escape pod. Yeah. What does, are you doing, Hollow Janeway? Does the Protostar's transporter not work? Did the red yeah. eye knock that out? Yeah, that's oh. what she said. Oh. That's what she says. I forgot. I forgot. Is Hollow Janeway trying to kill the kids? Mm. Maybe this could be a show about me, <laughs> Hollow Janeway, <laughs> and do, my journey to meet Hollow Chicote. Do children enjoy that kind of premise? <laughs> I've heard there is a Hollow Chicote that people can hollow ship. I'd like Hollow Chicote to hollow out a big piece of stone and make a bathtub for me. <laughs> Sounds great. I kept expecting us to see what happened to Barnes Franks this episode. Cut to the end. We have no idea. Nothing after the credits even. I'm just going to say it right now. We haven't done bets in a while on this show. Uh-huh. I'm betting on this. RSVP Barnes Franks. Wow, you think he dies? There's a lot of fire happening here within the station goes up. Man. Okay, I'll take the other side of that. His shoebox blows pretty big, too. Are we going to make it interesting? What's on the line? Hey, how about for the next episode, you have to take notes and watch it. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't. Wow. Okay. All right. All I do is bets, bets, bets. Like, what if we don't get an update on Barnes Franks? What if that's the last we ever hear of him? I don't know. I hope this isn't the last time. Because I really like him. Yeah, he's a fun character. Did you like this episode, though? (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) That would have been way funnier 20 minutes ago. There's no way for the kids to get to back to the protostar. There's no transporter. That little uh, umbilical that was extended between the two things, that's blown up. Blown apart. Things are just lighting on fire all over the place. Yeah. It's just like Event Horizon. The only escape pod is gone. So here's the last best hope. Spacesuits. Janeway, get the shuttle bay open. We're coming to you. I mean, everybody but Murph gets in a spacesuit. I guess Zero doesn't really need a spacesuit either. Murph and his Murph mug should be out there. Yeah. But instead, it's the gang and Murph, and they're kind of bouncing on the exterior hull of the station. And what they got to do is eyeball the protostar. The protostar is sort of orbiting the station. Yeah. And Rock Talk, bless her heart, (laughs) needs to figure out the math of the moment. Think, think, think. All right, all right. All right, I get back to the ship. I gotta get back to the ship, all right? The math in a very the hangover kind of way. Yeah. The math, like, 
she's doing hangover blackjack to try to like jump off of the thing into the ship. And it is so close to working because when, when they like jump off and the door to the protostar is open and it seems like they're going to make it. It looks like they're lined up. It really but orbital mechanics like, are like basically rocket science, right? Like that's literally like the the kind of math they're talking about with rocket science is orbital mechanics. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Here I come, motherfuckers! Yeah. So they miss, but here's the thing. Here's why I don't trust Hollow Janeway. Oh. <laughs> Couldn't you have used the tractor beam the whole time? Whoa, she didn't say anything about the tractor beam. Tractor beam, parentheses for drama, is what Hollow Janeway likes to do. Yeah. Because when they overshoot the protostar, Hollow Janeway... Snatches them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Snatches them and pulls them in. Gwyn has one last vision here. Her father says, all the context we needed. We needed this from the beginning. West Harfleet will welcome its return with open arms. And it will tear itself apart from within, within. Her father, who also like lives in a tank for a lot of this show. Maybe the computer was like, you're a tank person. Yeah. And I'm trying to help you. Yeah. Did you ever think about that, Gwen? Maybe the tank is your home. Are you too good for your home? Daddy says it's a weapon. And when Starfleet welcomes it back, it will tear itself apart. Like an NXS song. Mm. Protostar. Oh, that's a different song. Okay. That's a yes, but I like it. Yeah, I'm just thinking about different Terrace Apart songs. What is that? Pixies? No, that's New Order. I can't believe I pulled New Order. I don't know anything about New Order. It's Joy Division. <laughs> I think this episode should go out unedited. <laughs> Well, the people watching at home saw the whole thing. They was, saw this whole they mess. They saw all the madness. God. Did you like the episode? So at the end of the episode, <laughs> the button on the episode. I, I, I thought we were there. The button on the episode is Janeway's shovel ship arriving at Tars Lamora. Right. And they're like, whoa, this place is a tomb. Not hollow Janeway. Yeah. Admiral Janeway. Admiral Janeway going on her Vice Admiral Janeway. Right. Correction. Vice Admiral Janeway. You know, I always figured her for a rear admiral, but uh she's vice admiral. How dare you? <laughs> they're on Tars Lamora and they're like, this place is a tomb, except for that floating guy. Yeah. He seems perfectly innocent. Let's uh He's and he's alive. Let's hang out with him. Why does he have a five dollar carnival guitar floating next to him? <laughs> they wake him up. He starts talking about his investments. Yeah, his his Miriam Pit Wolfies. <laughs> and that. How do we cut on ben, this TV? Ben, it's your time. Um, do it. Say the thing. Oh shit! Uh, what was I going to ask? He's doing it. Did you like this episode? was fun about this episode hmm. doing it the way we did it just now that was fun i, I feel like it. children's cartoon programming should be done the way we just did it yeah more loosey-goosey more fun greatest trek is a weapon <laughs> it's a weapon for children's cartoons wow um that's what i think yeah yeah i like the episode as much as i like any other 
Prodigy episode. It's a uh, it's a children's cartoon. Yeah, but it's also Star Trek, and that's why I like it. I feel like it is building complexity, though. Like it felt a Isn't little it? simpler the first ten episodes, and now feels like a bit more of a like there's some gray where Starfleet is. This is a show that for some reason depends on your ability to remember previous episodes in a way that Star Trek doesn't often do. Yeah. And this is a kid show. Yeah. But like, uh, man, I'm, I will be very interested to see if they mistrust Starfleet going forward based on their one interaction with a real live Starfleet person. Yeah. Barnes kind of sucks. Having gone as badly as it did. Yeah. Also, if they are ever made aware that the ship is a weapon, maybe they choose not to bring that weapon home. Yeah. Well, uh, I choose to uh, see if there are any weapons in the Priority One inbox, personally. I think that's the main thing about the P1 inbox. It's a weapon. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Well, no Priority One messages this week, Adam. But if what? folks want to get one... I feel like this is a legendary episode. I know. Wow. But if folks want to get one for the next time, see if they can uh, get lucky. <laughs> it's MaximumFun.org slash Jambotron. Set it up. Greatest trick is a weapon. <laughs> hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you discover yourself in Edward Larkin? Edward Larkin! Before I get to that, <laughs> do you think Edward Larkins are too adult for Star Trek Prodigy and we need to maybe consider a different oh, person? For for Prodigy specifically? Because I got to say, I've met very few Edward Larkins on Star Trek as Edward Larkin-y as Barnus <laughs> Franks. Did you hop into an escape pod built for one? <laughs> Barnes Franks? Uh, I mean, Barnes Franks would definitely be the person that I would be naming the Edward Larkin. Same. I think that's why we've come to this conclusion. Yeah. So it's it, so going forward, for Prodigy specifically, we'll discover Barnes Franks. Yeah. Yeah. A character who named a segment. Wow. Who I have bet is most certainly dead. Dang. And I think... He'll get his own series, I think. I, I think spin-off Barnus. God damn it. <laughs> Adam, if this is gonna be its own new segment, this Barnus Franks thing, it's gonna need its own drop. But unfortunately, Barnus Franks does not really rhythmically God, you're right. fit into the parody of My Sharona that Really kind of kicked off the entire Greatest Trek family of products. Oh, man. You're right. But there's got to be a song that it does fit with, right? Are you asking me this because you already have the answer? I don't have the answer. I, I, I think we need to riff it up right here, right now. We're never <laughs> going to be more creative than we are right now. This is perfect headspace to be in. Yeah. Barnus Franks. <laughs> What about if it's like to the tune of Return of the Mac? Who's your Barnus Franks? <laughs> Who is it? Who's your Barnus Franks? <laughs> you know they're Barnus Franks. 
like that a lot. Mostly because Return of the Mac is stuck in my head 24-7 <laughs> for the past 20 years. How about uh, how about to the tune of Pony by Genuine? Uh, Another song I know to be stuck in your head fairly constantly. Yeah. My barnes, get on it, ride it, my franks. <laughs> it's bad. It's a reach. <laughs> it's a reach. Uh, let's see. What, what songs exist, Adam? I can't even think of any. Ben, I think I found one. Uh, I don't think you're going to like it. I feel like this is going to work better for your voice than mine. Oh, is it, it's bassy. Well, I mean, you've got a lower voice floor than I do, <laughs> and also a higher voice floor than I do. <laughs> Let's see if you can pick up what I'm putting down, okay? Okay. Barnes Frank. Barnes Frank. Barnes Frank. Barnes Frank. Barnes Frank. Barnes Frank. Oh, we shattered all the glass in my office. <laughs> I feel like with a little bit of production magic. Yeah. And a lot of pitch correction. That's going to come together nice. <laughs> what do you think? Wow. I think we found it, Adam. I think we're there. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you would have made a great Barnes. You, you mean like voice acting? We both live in LA. We could, we could be on Star Trek at any point. Do you think we should talk to our friend and agent about maybe putting us forward for some voice acting gigs? Yes. That'd be fun, right? Let's talk to our friend and agent. I should go for the lunch money of my childhood best friend. See him in the audition room. Definitely should. Make like dagger eyes at him. Yeah. 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 Wow. Ben is a weapon. <laughs> ben, what have you chosen as this week's message from the Warning Boy? Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. Warning buoys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. Uh, this one's from uh, at Eaches on Twitter saying, I'm giving my Edward Larkin award to at Greatest Trek this week, the highly amusing Star Trek podcast that sometimes contains up to at least 60% Trek content. Just wait for it. The first four minutes or so are usually, uh, yeah, still awesome, though. Worth a listen. <laughs> hey, Kevin, do you listen to any podcasts? <laughs> Because the first four minutes of every podcast are, uh. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're especially egregious in that. Like, a, your average Doughboys episode has like an hour before they start talking about the restaurant, right? Yeah. I mean, that's really the goal. It's been the goal the whole time, I think. Just, to, just, just turn it into oops all Marin. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're... Your point is well taken. We're not entirely a Star Trek podcast. We're we're a goof around podcast with a Star Trek theme, I would say. Right. We're a friendship contest. We're a friendship contest <laughs> that's also a podcast. Are we like trying not to masturbate? Is that kind of contest you're talking about? Too late. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, thanks at eaches on Twitter. And if you'd like to stand as a warning mm -hmm. to others tweet or insta about what you like about the show and we might talk about it on uh, a future episode just uh, tag at greatest trek in your comment 
Yeah, we'll give you a gentle ribbing about how wrong you are. <laughs> wow. This has been a very fun episode to make. It sure has, Adam. Very little work for anyone to edit. Yeah, yeah. Nobody has to worry much about this edit at all. But we should uh, leave the folks here. Um, listen to the credits for information about next week's episode of Star Trek Prodigy. Is we editing this one? God, I hope so. I mean, I feel bad inflicting it Win- on her. I feel bad inflicting it on Wendy her has seen our entire podcast, but like, <laughs> like I trust her with this. <laughs> she better be. <laughs> I've got her on the calendar as the editor. Yeah, so. she's so so Wendy, take it away. We're sorry. <laughs> Greatest Trek is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, and it's produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Next up on Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 12, it's called Let Sleeping Borg Lie. When the crew encounters a dormant Borg cube, Zero risks everything to save their ship. Every episode, we want to say thanks to the members who are supporting the ongoing production of both Greatest Gen and Greatest Trek. If you'd like to join them, $5 a month will get you access to monthly bonus episodes from Uxbridge Shimoda and the entire network of Max Fun shows. Thanks to Adam Ragusia for creating the original music that we use on this show. You can find his podcast and cooking channel by searching for Adam Ragusia. Thanks to Nick Dittmore for the show art and Bill Tilly for managing the social media pages on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you're following at Greatest Trek and use the hashtag Greatest Trek to talk about the show online. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Greatest Trek. God, we're doing a great job. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.